0: Hello everybody, and welcome to JTV. Today we are joined by Will Witt, who is the host of, well, one of the hosts on PragerU, which is a phenomenally successful online YouTube channel. We've had previously on JTV Dennis Prager, who is like the founder, the father, the president—I don't know—of uh, PragerU, and uh, they cover on the channel uh, matters of politics and also religion, and. I was really, I've, I've spoken to Will on a couple of occasions now and I thought it'd be quite interesting to have a conversation, which I don't know if he does as much of in terms of interviews and stuff like this, uh, on the role that faith and religion and a relationship with God and a higher power has played in his life because, you know, I'm also, like him, a fairly young person that also came to um, growth in observance and connection of uh, religion, in my case, Judaism, in Will's case, Christianity, but done at, a, at an earlier age in life, and it's something that we didn't naturally just run to. It sort of slowly progressed, I think, in our late teens or early twenties. Um, and you know, obviously, um, Will is uh, Christian, and this is a Jewish channel. But I think there are many uh, commonalities between uh, the two faiths, and between and in terms of the role that faith. And religion plays in our individual lives and also in the role of and the role of society at large. So well first of all thank you so much for joining us on JTV, it's great to have you from Los Angeles.
1: Hey thanks for having me man,
0: appreciate it. Good to have you here. So um, the first thing I thought we'd do is if you could start off by telling us just a bit about your own upbringing and what brought you to faith.
1: So I started out, anyone who's read my book or anything like that will know that I started out as an atheist and a leftist. I know this is not about politics too much, but but they, they were connected. I was I was someone who would not just consider myself an atheist, but someone who would go around to people and tell them how much I thought God was stupid, how much I thought religion was stupid. My older brother, who was kind of my father for me, my real dad was in prison for most of my young life, and he was my 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 role model for me, and he was very atheist, and you know. If any of you guys watching have an older brother, you know that when you're the younger brother, you want to be just like the older brother. So I basically did everything that that he did. And so then I went to college and everything kind of changed for me. And I started becoming very conservative and getting interested in politics and seeing just how screwed up the world actually is. And you find out that things are way different than you thought. And so I became a conservative before I became a Christian. I started working with Prager U, started working with Turning Point USA, other organizations while being a conservative, but not yet fully Going on my faith journey. It wasn't until about a year and a half ago that it was the COVID lockdown. And I said, okay, I'm going to stop playing around with this and I'm going to read the Bible. I didn't really have much else to do. You know, we're all stuck at home. So I said, I'm going to read the Bible. And so I read the four gospels and it was life changing for me. And it's like when you're presented with something, you have two choices you either have to ignore it or you have to believe it is true. And so Uh, A couple months after that, I started going to church all the time and getting very involved. And then I got baptized in Hermosa Beach by Pastor Jack Hibbs, if you guys know who is here in Los Angeles. And that was just over a year ago that I got baptized.
0: And why did you choose the specific denomination of Christianity that you chose?
1: Uh, it just seemed like the one that was right, you know. I, I didn't have any real specifics on, you know, am I going to choose to, whether to be a Catholic or am I going to choose to be some different type of of Presbyterian or anything like that. It was more just I was reading the Bible and Jack Hibbs and and his church were preaching what they were preaching, and I, I was connected with it immediately.
0: Did did, did your um, time at, uh, and continued time at Prageru and perhaps chatting with Dennis Prager another such incredible thinkers that you have the opportunity to meet. Um, Did that play an influence in your journey towards towards God and faith?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, Dennis Prager's series on the Ten Commandments are some of the best videos on religion ever made. And they're incredibly uh, observant on how if everyone just lived by the Ten Commandments, the world would be a better place, even atheists. And that's something that people just can't deny. And that was a wake-up call for me. That was one of the first wake-up calls for me. Another wake-up call for me was when I was being a conservative before being a Christian and reading about history and all these kind of things and reading about the history of America and its founding, is that you realize that the founding fathers didn't make this country as a, uh, some sort of atheist haven. I mean, they made this country knowing that you have inalienable rights given to you by your creator. Your rights don't come from the government. Your morality doesn't come from the government. Your rights come from God. And so hearing that and having such a high esteem for the founding fathers and then realizing maybe there's something I'm missing about all this. Why would they why would they put that in there if it really meant nothing and none of it was real? So those two moments and those two things were just incredibly influential to me.
0: Well, I I want to get to America in a second and the role that religion plays in society, um, but still just want to focus a bit more on your personal story. Do you find that it's important to ground your belief in God in reason? Is that as that was that an important part of your journey in your process because it was for me
1: you know i i go a little bit half and half on this because there's a lot of people who are in the apologetic space in christianity who i really like people like frank turk for example he just sent me his his new book actually and it has a whole chapter about lord of the rings in it so i'm very excited to read it but i think that if you only talk about reason and read you know mere christianity by c.s lewis and things like that it's more to me about the conviction You can have every right argument for God and logically think that that conclusion makes it so that it's true. But until you have the connection and the conviction, then you don't really have anything. So that's really the most important part. And so you can, again, have all the logical arguments that you want. But for me, it really comes down to the conviction. That's the most important part.
0: It's interesting because in my case, I found that I really took it a lot more seriously um, connection with God when when I saw strong argument, ra- rational, logical arguments that I found very hard to, you know, argue against. But you're right in the sense that even with all the reason and logic, it, it, I, I, it's like you have this, can have this cognitive dissonance where you could know something is true or you could know smoking is bad for you, but you still go ahead and do it. You've got to ha- there's also got to be an emotional component, otherwise you just, you, you might think it, but you might not feel it. Um, so speaking of which, tell me how, how on an individual level, belief in God, belief that there is a higher power that's uh, guiding your life, um, that there is a purpose to existence. Um, how, how has that enhanced your life?
1: Well, it's it's kind of twofold because there is the part where it actually makes your life a lot harder and then there's the part where it's it's much better. So when it comes to you know believing in God and being a Christian, A lot of Christians, they go to church and they expect church to be like some social club and they can go in and here's your free bagel and it's a lot of fun and we're going to make you feel really good. But that's not what religion is about in the Christian faith. It's not about feeling good. It's about doing what God says is morally true and morally right and that's what it's really about you know that when you are someone who is a believer you are going to be persecuted and so yeah it enhances your life in the sense that when you die you know what you are going to face you know what is going to happen but in terms of your life here on this earth things actually get harder when you live a life as a real Christian and, and live by the tenets of the Bible, things are harder for you. It doesn't get easier. But when you have your faith, it makes it so that all the things that get harder for you within your life, being a Christian and being real about it, makes it so that you now have the tools to be able to deal with it.
0: Fascinating. Okay. So um, let, let's talk a bit about, we'll go back to some of these particular theological matters in a second, but for, in terms of your personal connection with, with God and faith. let's just talk on a macro level now. Um, I did my college dissertation at University College London on how the Hebrew Bible um, played a a key role, um, a pivotal role in the founding of America and how the founders interpreted their journey of creating a new promised land in America Uh, and it's absolutely fascinating and a lot of people think that the American Revolution was a secular revolution And it was secularist in terms of it wanted a separation of church and state. But the founders were deeply religious and they wanted society. America was to be a place of freedom, but free um, religious freedom, where people could serve God in the way they they chose. Do you want to talk to us as someone who lives and breathes and teaches us every day um, some of the misconceptions people have about the Enlightenment, the American Revolution, and about how both these events were deeply religious ones?
1: Yeah, something about the Enlightenment that I was just talking about the other day, actually, which, which we kept, both me and my, my fiancé, we came to this conclusion talking about it. And it's that the Enlightenment in a whole and the new ideas about it, about equality and freedom, and now the, the place that that has taken us to, which I think a lot of the ideas of the Enlightenment and somewhat of the Reformation as well, but mostly really the Enlightenment ideals, have taken us to this leftist place that we are now at in society. The ideas of Enlightenment have taken us there. And so the founding fathers in america what is different you know because people will say these are enlightenment thinkers and they founded america on these enlightenment ideals about equality and democracy and that but the thing again that is so important about these founding fathers and their enlightenment ideals that they push for is that they were connected with god that you couldn't have freedom without god you couldn't have equality without god because the way that you are equal is that you are a child of god made in god's image you know that is how you are equal whether you're a man gay, black, whatever, it doesn't matter, you are equal in the image of God.
0: Why can't atheism sustain those beliefs?
1: Well, atheism is a religion in itself. And so you can say that you are equal as, as whoever, you're an atheist and you can say you and me are equal or me and you know, the, the Supreme Court justice who's being nominated right now, we're all equals. But on what basis are you saying? There is no objective standard of, of equality. Maybe you could say we both have hearts and we breathe and that's some sort of objective standard. But when you even look at that, there's always difference, differences between even biological features of, of men and, and all sort of, of all sorts of different people, right? And so the only objective standard that you can base people on as being equal is that they are made in God's image. And when, when you have that in America, the founding fathers knew this, the, the, you have inalienable rights given to you by your creator. And the only reason you have those rights is because you are equal to everyone else in the image of God. And that's, that's why you can have enlightenment ideals and enlightenment ideals can make for a good society, but you can't have those ideals unless you include God. Because otherwise, then it's all just someone else's subjective claim about equality and, and what it is. Then you have these leftists in America who are preaching about democracy. You know, Democracy means silencing people with a different opinion. That's what democracy means when you take God out of it.
0: And there's a lot of, we don't really have this so much in the UK, but in America, there's a lot of controversy around mentioning God in the classroom. Can you take our, our viewers through this controversy and, and what your view is?
1: It's funny you say that, because um, I was talking about my fiance. My fiance is Dutch and she's, she's very involved. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Well, I don't know when this interview comes out. I'm actually proposing in, in three days. So it's, uh, I'm just saying fiance for the sake of saying it, because saying it, it's happening soon. Anyway, she's Dutch. And so she works in conservative <laughs> politics in, uh, in the Netherlands. And she's Christian, but most people who work in politics in Europe, especially the conservative ones, they, they don't talk about faith. They, they, they say that this is, you know we're gonna scare people away and we don't need to talk about it. When you go to America, it is definitely different. I mean, in, in America, we have a very strong base of evangelicals. And it's funny, you look back at Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson said that if we were to ever have a public school system, we, you have to have a Bible in every single classroom. Look how far away we've strayed, strayed from that. Again, all these enlightenment ideals, and, and these type of, of, of ideas about government schools and, and the government having a hand in things to make things equal, they only work when you have God and you have scripture.
0: How, how do you think we can prevent uh, people who you know, become more uh, religious and find faith? How, how do you think we can prevent extremism from occurring? Because it, you know, it can occur in all different faiths, some more than others, but what do you think, let's just say we're just talking about religion generally, not one particular, what do you think are some of the best ways to prevent extremism?
1: Well, I think that it takes a a better teaching of the actual scripture of whatever religion it is. I think the most important thing we can do is to actually be historians and be studiers and observers of the text and not just take things at face value or some aggressive pastor or or synagogue or or mosque, whatever it is, and actually do the research for ourselves. Because people get aggressive in, in religious movements when there is a leader behind it, using God as a means to aggravate people to go and do things. You know, there's one thing in the Christian Bible that you will find that you cannot, you, if you commit evil in God's name for the greater good, or for achieving something good, that is an unforgivable sin by God. So you can't say that you're a Christian and that the only way to achieve uh, uh, great moral values is to go and kill all the babies or something like that, right? you can't commit evil deeds in the name of God. And so when you do that, you have damned yourself. So it's, it's, it's really just understanding the text and knowing what are the things that I'm sacrificing for this extremism.
0: Absolutely, and I think the idea of balance is a godly principle. Um, because you look at, look at how God, God made the world where you, know, you cook something on a pot, if you don't cook it long enough, it's raw. If you, don't, if you cook it too much, then it gets burned. You need, you need balance. So everything in life um, t- in terms of achieving uh, perfection and sustainability comes down to a question of balance. So I think it is a, it's a good and uh, noble cause. Um, the next question I want to ask you was about a lot of, you know, it's not a common story to, to, today seeing young people, move, a young person like you move towards religion, lots of young people are doing the opposite. What, what do you think it is about religion or belief in God um, that might put people off and how, how can we combat this?
1: It's a, it's a great question and uh, it's hard to answer because the obvious answer that you want to say is that people see religious people and they think they're uncool. And that's just a, a, a stark reality of life. When people see you know, Bible thumping Christians or something like that, they say, well, that's weird. You know, I wanna go out with my friends and, and have fun and not be this tied up religious old uh, coot, you know, whatever. They wanna be a normal person. And so people think that it's uncool. Now, my, my take is not to just say, hey, let's make religion cool. That's not the point, because if you try and do that, you might end up sacrificing the values of whatever that religion was for the sake of attracting members. Like you see these mega churches in America with ten thousand people who just preach this cool, feel-good message, and you end up getting a lot of people, but it's watered down and basically useless. And so, it's it's a very difficult question to answer. I think that the main thing is going to have to be people are going to realize that. The things that they are prioritizing are not the right things, and they have to figure that out on their own. Like for me, finding faith, a lot of it was that I was making bad decisions. I was screwing up. I felt like I didn't have a lot of purpose in my life. Even though I had a lot of great things, I was making money and and women, uh, drinking, whatever, you know, I had all these things, but I realized that I felt empty in a lot of ways. And so that takes a, a big step of bravery for people to do. But it's not, it's not just that, it's not about just being more cool or more fashionable for people. It's about understanding that these priorities and these things that you put forward as the most important are going to change your life. And that's what we have to make people realize.
0: Absolutely. Um, And uh, lastly, I I want to ask a bit about um, the purpose of existence and how we understand God's purpose in creating us. So I want to share with you uh, my my view or a a Jewish view on that, but I was interested uh, what you believe from all your experiences to date is God's purpose in creating the world and creating you. What's it all about? What's
1: it for? Man, that's a tough question. You should have sent me this question before we started, huh? No, no, that's that's, that's a good one, man. I mean, I really think it comes down to the, the purpose of us having free will to be able to, to live and be free. I think that as Americans, we believe, this is something that I've been saying in my speeches, is that Americans specifically believe that God wants us to be free. I think that's something that's very specific to our country. And because of that, I think that living out freedom is really what God wants us to do understanding that we make mistakes. We, we have have lots of things that we do wrong, but we are trying our best to live up to his ideals with the freedom that we have. And I think that, that, that prioritizing God in our lives and pursuing freedom and truth are the most important things we can do. You know, I don't think there's like one task set out and God says, you know, you have to do this exact thing. I think it's really about having the freedom to choose and, and being able to look and say, you know, I'm putting God first and now let me live.
0: And, and does, but do you think, and it's, it's fine if you haven't uh, come to a an conclusive answer on this yet, but do you think that God um, gets something out of creation? Like, is there something that he benefits from creating or is it or is your philosophy at the moment that it's entirely for our sake?
1: No, I think God loves us. I think God loves us so much that he created us in his image because of how much he loved us. And so that's what he gets out of it.
0: So, absolutely, I, I agree with that point very much. So, but does that mean that if we didn't respond in kind, that would somehow upset God? In other words, if if we didn't re- relate to God, if He loves us, that in some level creates creates some level of vulnerability on His part.
1: Well, you know, it's in the Bible. God is a, a jealous God, but we can't expect God to be this envious God and 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 be so you know, petty or anything like that. You know, I don't think that that's necessarily the point. I think God loves us and God loves his creation so much that even when we screw up, he loves us even more.
0: Yeah, it's just because I think that what's part of what may have put some people off religion is that they present the creation of the world as, you, you know, you have this, this, this God who creates you and says, do what I say or else you're going to suffer. Whereas instead, understanding it that God has this, as you said, this love for us this, um, interestingly enough, a rabbi pointed out to me, the first thing that God says that is not good in creation is he says it's not good for man to be alone. And given that man is created in God's image, as you said earlier, God was talking also about himself, that it wasn't good for him to be alone in the, in, and exist alone. And so he comes out to us asking for, asking for a relationship. And so instead of just focusing on one's own antenna, one's own sort of salvation or being being saved, also thinking about, well, if he did this, that must mean that I can serve a purpose for him. I can do something for him. I think that actually, ironically, because it means we're not getting something, but we're doing something for our creator, ironically actually creates a more appealing kind of religion. I wonder just your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And you brought up that point at the beginning. You said, you know, uh, you have to believe in God or you're going to have this suffering. And it's like, that's what people believe and atheists believe, but that's the opposite. It's like you believe in God and actually you're supposed to suffer more. <laughs> you know, in a sense, in this life, you are supposed to be persecuted and actually suffer more for your beliefs from the people who are going to shame you and ostracize you for being a believer in your faith, right? And so that, that, that's kind of the, the point and, and why also people don't want to get into it and, and try to be religious because it's hard. It's hard. You can have an easy religion. You can be totally easy and, and just, you know, uh, someone who just prays when they're on an airplane, but you can, when there's a little turbulence, but to, to truly believe in it, it is difficult. There is no doubt that it is difficult.
0: Well, I, I would put it like this. Um, a, a rabbi of mine once had a, a girl come up to him and say, Rabbi, you can't believe in guys, you can't trust guys. And, and uh, he said, why is that? And she said, well, I had a guy, a uh, boyfriend who told me that he would kill himself if uh, I left him. He said, he can't live without me. And so I left him. You can never believe, believe what guys tell you. Anyway. Happened to be that afterwards the rabbi was thinking to himself, you know, what should the guy have said to a girl? Maybe it's too, too extreme to say, I can't live without you. But then what do you say? I can live without you? That's not great. So he, 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 he came to a, this, this way of putting it, which I think is so powerful, which he's, that he said, what you should say to your partner is, I can exist without you, but what kind of a life would it be? So there's existence, which is how comfortable is my physical experience? How do I feel? Then there's my life, which is how do I share, me sharing existence with another person, my shared experience, me raising above just my own concerns, meaning, purpose. And so, you know, you can have people who have everything in the world, as you said, physically, things might have been great. You might've had a great existence, but you were missing out on, on a life, on living. So it may well be, and this was, this was Moses' message to the people before, to the Jewish people, uh, you know, who have suffered tremendously throughout the last few thousand years. This was what he was saying to them before they, they were to cross over the River Jordan, when he said, choose life. He's saying you're going to, he was saying, you're going to have a very difficult existence. Therefore, don't think so much about your existence, as you said, the persecution, all that kind of stuff. Focus instead on living, on what you can contribute to the world, on shared relationships with God, with spouse, with other people, um, because that's life, choose life.
1: That's exactly right, man. You're exactly right. Goodness said it better.
0: Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. Thanks for all the work you do. And uh, an early mazel tov, congratulations on, uh, on getting engaged. And uh, keep up with the great work.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate it.